0: of signs, miracles, and wonders. God is going to be pouring out his spirit. He is going to be healing. He is going to be delivering souls, and you don't want to miss it. You Also, on Wednesday, this Wednesday, you don't want to miss our missionary. Uh, missionaries to Spain, uh, Brother and Sister Bibi, are going to be here, and we are going to have uh, dinner following the service. So please come so then you can fellowship with them and get to know them. Also, remember, uh, beginning June 6th, our second service will begin at 1045. The first service will still stay the same. We're going to have 9 a.m. prayer, 930 for the discipleship and Sunday school classes. We're going to start just a few minutes later on the worship to give our kids time in Sunday school so they can get everything out of Sunday school that they possibly can. Hallelujah. They are excited to be there, and we want them to continue to be excited, and we don't want to cut their time short. Also, there is a men's breakfast coming up on June 12th at 9 a.m. The location is yet to be determined, but Brother DeMuth, if you need any details, you can see him. Amen. I believe that is all of the announcements we have for today. Let's come and let's worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, you are the great creator. Hallelujah, the mighty Savior. Beside you, there is no other. Hallelujah. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
0: Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are there in my time of need. You are my shelter, my fortress, and my deliverer. Hallelujah. Who else do I have? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Today there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life born. Jesus is calling. I hey,
0: you found
2: hallelujah thank you jesus Jesus. praise god let's give glory and honor unto the king of kings this morning he is altogether worthy praise god praise god hallelujah jesus he is our all in all he is our ever-present help in time of need whatever we have need of today we find it met in him Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do laud and magnify you, Lord of glory. We do give glory and honor unto you, thou most high God. You are great and greatly to be praised. There is no one like you, O God, able to save to the uttermost, to save with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with signs and with wonders and with great terrors. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can do all things for your people. Thank you, Jesus that you are our God, and that you have claimed us as your people. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome, awesome thing it is to be in the presence of Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us today to enter into your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to make the very most of it. Do not esteem it lightly. Do not take it for granted. You have given us an opportunity this morning to draw nigh unto you, The Lord God of glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would undergird your people with strength this morning, that you would minister unto their needs. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. He is an awesome God. And we are privileged this morning to be in His presence. Amen. I keep saying this, but... It still amazes and overwhelms me that not only has he given us permission to enter into his presence, he's given us invitation. He not only lets me come, but he wants me to come. What an awesome thing that is. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for responding to the presence of God. You can be seated. Before we start... Uh, me and uh, Brother Bob have been uh, going through a Bible study, and last week he gave me an amazing testimony, and I asked him if he'd share that with the congregation, and he said yes. So, he's going to come, and uh, he's going to give us that testimony, give glory to God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, Bob said he's just a little bit nervous. Maybe some of you can relate. So, we're going to be patient, and Brother Bob minister to us.
3: Hello. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous, so bear with me. Um. Okay. Um. I um. The other last time, a couple weeks ago, we had that um, where um everybody had to everybody um give tithes. Face, face problems and God told me to um pay um $200 a, a month and I've been trying but and he's been um helping me I uh um, he's been um helping me every time I um thought that I wasn't going to but he always brought like work for me and um and, um, to, for my ties and he always, um, does every, he does that and he does, um, different other things that in my life that I needed. And I, bl- I am very blessed that the good Lord loves me that much to, um, to do, look out for me and take care of me. And I, I am very much pleased that he loves me that much. And thank you.
2: Yes, sir. Praise God. God is so good to us. Amen. Promises in his word are, if you will, I will. Bob did. So now God is. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Bob. That was an awesome, awesome testimony. God takes care of all of our needs, doesn't he? So many of our wants. Amen. Praise God. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll jump down to verse 17. We're thankful as you're turning to the word of the the Lord. Thankful for uh, uh, Chet and Teresa being here, their parents. What a blessing that is. Amen. Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 17. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah unto the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fist to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fist three days and three nights. We'll speak for the remainder of our service this morning on this topic. The city God was willing to save. The city God was willing to save. And if we could pray one more time and ask God to bless the remainder of his service, to anoint his servant, to anoint all of us to receive the word of truth, to do all that he commands us today. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you, for the presence of the Lord in this place. I pray that your perfect will would be manifest in our service here this morning, that your dominion would be established in this place. You are the Lord. You are God, and you are God only. You have purchased us with a price. We are not our own. You are in charge of this service. I pray, Lord, that you would assume control from this point forward, that your perfect will would be accomplished here, that all of your heart would be manifest in our service today. Let your great name be glorified in our midst. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can be seated. This story is is one that we're mostly familiar with, the story of Jonah. We've heard it from the time we were in Sunday school in the belly of the whale. He was called to preach. He didn't. God sent him one way and he went another. This entire account was authenticated by Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verses 40 through 41. Jesus says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. Behold, a greater than Jonas is here. message is very simple this morning. This city that we are called to, this city that is in the throes of sin, this city that is rushing headfirst into hell, not just this city, this state, this country, this world, is rushing as fast as they can Toward the gates of hell. And there is no one stopping them but you and me. The church of the living God. The city of Nineveh were guilty of many sins before God. And Nahum chapter 3 verse 1 says, Woe to the bloody city! It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. Verse 4 of the same chapter says, Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts that selfless na- that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. Again in verse 16, same chapter. Thou hast multiplied thy merchants above the stars of heaven. The canker worm spoileth and flieth away. In Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 15, it says, This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. How has she become a desolation? a place for beasts to lie down, and everyone that passeth by her shall hiss and wag his hand. Nineveh worshipped false gods, having temples dedicated to the gods Nabu, Asher, and Adad. They also worshipped Ishtar, a goddess of love and war. In his book, Nineveh and Babylon, Layard says, quote, the annals of Assyria are nothing but a register of military campaigns, spoilations, and cruelties. Their monuments display men of a calm and unmoved ferocity, whose moral and mental qualities are overborne by the faculties of the lower, brutal nature. Nineveh represents our world today. Sin is by nature singular. It is by nature individual, because sin separates an individual from the presence of God. That's where it starts as an individual. It starts in my heart. It starts in your heart. It coalesces into a tribe. It coalesces into a city, a nation where people of uniform stature, uniform minds and, and of the same belief system move forward in the same direction away from God. And it becomes sin unto them. It becomes sin unto a city, unto a nation. Strongholds develop. Strong men become entrenched. Into that city. Most of you, I think, know what I'm talking about. Spiritual strongmen. Rulers of wickedness. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Become entrenched in cities. That is what we war against. We don't, we don't war against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood comes against us. Absolutely. When we talk to someone about God, when we, (laughs) when we talk to someone, period. They may not like the way you look. Can you believe there are people that don't like my hairstyle? I don't get it. But people are people. They don't even like this. But people are ornery. People are, they're people. They have bad days. They have good days. And when we come to someone, you don't know what kind of day they're having. You don't know what kind of personality they have. And when we try to witness, when we try to minister, they come against you in one form or another. I know because when someone came to me, I did that. I came against them. I had questions and I i wasn't always looking for the answer. I was looking to push buttons. I was looking to rile. So I figure if it happens to me, I'm getting my comeuppance. But that's the way people are. But that's not that's not who we're fighting against. There's something behind that. There's a spirit behind that. That's who we're fighting against. We're trying to free that person. We're doing battle for that person. We're fighting for them. They're coming against us, but it's not them. It's the spirit behind them. That's who's coming against us. That's who's coming against the church. And we've got to understand, we're the only hope they have. We are the only hope this city has. In the case of uh, Jonah and Nineveh, God sent the prophet to Nineveh. Told him, go, preach to the city because I'm about to destroy it. Judgment was coming. Jonah knew that. Jonah heard the voice of God. Go and preach. Warn them. Warn them that judgment is coming. And he went the other way. He knew what was going to happen if he didn't go. He didn't care. He was unmoved. A lot of people believe he was wanting that to happen. He didn't go because he wanted judgment to fall. God help the church if that is that that spirit is in us that we care so little for the hurting and, and for the needy and for the wounded of this world that we were able to turn a blind eye, we're able to look the other way, walk a different direction, and be okay with that. We see in Jonah's life, he got on the ship. And a storm came, and he slept like a baby. He slept quietly, his conscience unmoved. The shipmates came down and said, what are you doing sleeping? Call out to your God. Everyone else is. The world had to get the attention of the man of God to get him to start praying. Someone in the world had to come to him and shake him to the point where he started to pray. Had to wake him up out of a dead sleep. We're talking about revival. The church has always talked about revival, and rightly so. Revival isn't a massive influx of souls. Revival happens in here, in the church where God revives His people, that's revival. When God wakes us up and gets us moving in the right direction again, that's revival. What happens after revival is a big influx of souls. That's what happens after. But first, God has got to wake us up. He's got to get our attention. He's got to get us moving again. And I'm not saying that we're not moving, but I'm saying that this world is the way it is because of us. It's our fault the world is in the condition it is. It's not their fault. What else are they going to do? How else are they going to act? They can't act any other way. They're bound in sin. They have no other choice. We have a choice. We've been freed from that. We're walking in a different direction now. And if this world is unmoved and it's unchanged, it's because we have not affected it for God. And I'm going to say we all through this message. Because it's me too. Jonah was supposed to preach deliverance, preach hope, preach repentance to the city of Nineveh. He had no interest, no desire to do that. Now granted, in Jonah's defense, Nineveh probably wasn't considered the the best place to go to to preach righteousness and holiness and repentance. Nineveh was a very wicked city. It was a very brutal city. It was very barbaric. And so, we have that to consider. However, God knew that when He sent Jonah. Our missionaries today are going into lands, they're going into countries where they literally face death every single day. They face death for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they know that when they go in, but they're going anyway. They're still going there. They're living in that condition. They're living with the situation that someone could come through that door any moment and shoot me, behead me, throw me in prison, and they'll never see me again. They live with that knowledge every day. But they still go out and they preach and they teach and they witness of the goodness of God. We don't have an excuse. I don't want this to be a a message of guilt. This is not a message of guilt. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel condemned. Feel encouraged. Feel strengthened. God is wanting us to do this. God is wanting us to reach the city. He's not coming down with a hard hand and a hard foot. He's encouraging us. He's strengthening us. He's trying to move us from where we're at to get out there and work the fields. We all have various personalities. We all have various ministries, various uh, contacts and, and spheres of influence. You will reach people that I never will, vice versa. We all understand that, but together as a church body, as a congregation, moving in the same direction, God will use us to reach the city. He will use us. He wants to. It is his desperate desire to save this city. And in some ways, this city is not unlike Nineveh. And judgment is going to come. Maybe not as a city, but judgment is coming in individual's lives. There are people that God has been merciful to. Merciful, 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 merciful. But God's mercy will not always abide forever. There are times when God gives us over. Or He pulls away. There are people in this city, there are people in our families, there are people that we work with and need so desperately to hear this message. They need to have an experience what you've had and experienced. There's no other hope. There is no other hope than Jesus Christ for this world. There is no hope but Jesus Christ for this world. And if we Don't give it to them. They will never receive it. God is not going to send an angel. God is not going to appear before them in person. He called you and he called me to go and be his hands and his feet. We have got to start... We've got to understand who we are in God. We've preached this before. We've taught this before. We are not spiritual paupers. We're not spiritual beggars. We have power and we have authority In Jesus, we are called to be conquerors. We are called to be warriors in him. He has called us not to fail, but to succeed. He has called us to victory. And he desires his people to have victory primarily because he wants them to be saved. He wanted you to be saved, so he sent someone. He sent someone to praying and to fasting. He sent someone to witness to you and to me. He's going to send you to someone else to pray and to fast and to witness to them. It's messy work. It's hard work. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But it's necessary. It's necessary. We can't just have a big revival service and then go home and raise yourselves. I'm looking for someone else to save now. That's not God's will. I've said this before, not here, but I'll say it here. We are supposed to be a nursery, not an abortion clinic. What I mean by that is, when someone gets the Holy Ghost here, we don't just leave them to their own devices. When someone is born into a nursery... They don't just kick them out on the street, tell them to get a job. There's a parent that comes and claims them, raises them, feeds them, clothes them, cleans up their mess. That is just as important as seeing someone receive the Holy Ghost. It's just as important. We can have 100 people receive the Holy Ghost every week, but if none of them make it, a month, a year, We're spinning our wheels at best. God has called each and every one of us, just like He called Jonah to preach to this city. We've got to heed the call. The pagan captain called the man of God to prayer. And uh, when they prayed, it was finally revealed that all of this is happening because of Jonah. And their searching question was this. Why hast thou done this? Why have you done this? Similar to the rebuke Abraham and Isaac received from Abimelech when they lied about their wives, the sailors seemed to grasp the seriousness of Jonah's disobedience more than the prophet did. How is it that sometimes those in the world are are more discerning than the people of God? When Jonah's in the belly of the whale, he finally realizes what he's done. He wakes up. He comes to himself. It's a uh, sad place to be. It's It's a lot God had to do to finally get his attention, to finally get him to wake up and realize what was going on. What he had done God had entrusted him with something very significant. The eternal souls of an entire city were resting on Jonah. And I don't I don't mean to sound heavy, I don't mean to sound but I pray that this church feels the weight of that. We need to feel the weight of that responsibility. Because one day we're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account for our lives. Everything He's given to us as individuals, everything He's given to us as a church family, we are going to be held accountable for that. What did you do with that? The parable of the ten talents. What did you do with the talent I gave you? I buried it. What was his reward? He didn't get a reward, did he? Talent was taken from him and given to the guy with ten. When God entrusts something to us, we are supposed to do something with it. He doesn't give it to us for us to sit back and enjoy. And I'm not saying don't enjoy the presence of God. Absolutely we enjoy the presence of God. Absolutely we need to spend time in His presence and enjoy receiving from Him everything that we have need of. But we can't live there. We can't stay there. When we've received what we need, we've got to go out and share it with someone else. We've got to be ministers, not just one to another, although definitely one to another. But to the hurting, to the lost, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. How are they going to know? How are they going to know unless we come to them and tell them? We have got to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is calling us to this city, to reach this city. Tonight we're going to have a a special service. That's going to be kind of a springboard for the rest of the year. It's going to be a beginning, not a one-time event. In the boat, we find that the prayers... Of the sailors were going out. They were very fervent, praying to their gods, praying to what they knew. The sailors saw that Jonah's God did what their gods could not do. When Jonah prayed, told them what they needed to do, the storm the storm stopped. God Quelled the storm. And again, standing in stark contrast to Jonah, the Gentile sailors with no law, no covenant, no real knowledge of who Jonah's God was, began to fear and worship him. They worshipped the God of Jonah. Had no idea who he was. Maybe they'd heard of this God, this Israelite God. But they had no knowledge of His law. They had no relationship with Him. They had no covenant with this God. They had no dealings with Him. They saw what He could do this one time. They began to fear and worship. I remember the first time I came into a Pentecostal service. Some of you probably do as well. I was a young adult. I was a Lutheran. I never experienced the presence of God. I never experienced a relationship with God. I prayed. I did what I was supposed to do. I attended service. But you'd have never known me from anyone else. First time I came to a Pentecostal service... I experienced something I've never felt, never experienced before. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was God. I I, I had no clue what this was. People worship very exuberantly. And most people, especially from a Lutheran background, they kind of get turned off by that. They kind of get weirded out by that. But I could kind of understand why they were. If they were feeling what I'm feeling, i kind of get that. And I was at a place, God had brought me to a place where I just didn't care anymore. I just wanted the truth. I wanted to be right. And God showed me. God brought someone into my life. He explained things to me. Came to church with them. Experienced God. I had never known God before, not like this. I didn't have a covenant with God. I've never had a real relationship with God. But I saw what God was doing here. And I worshipped. When the sermon was done, I was the first person to the altar. And when I got up, my face hurt. It was swollen. I could hardly open my eyes. I experienced God for the first time. And it was powerful. I'll never forget it. These sailors experienced something very similar as an Old Testament counterpart. They experienced God like they'd never experienced Him before. Donah, this was just another day in the life for him. He didn't seem to react at all to God calming the storm. Yeah, this is what's going on. This is what you need to do. Blah, 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 blah. But it was a big deal to the sailors. Unfortunately, it seems that familiarity does breed contempt. But it doesn't have to. If our relationship with God is vibrant and growing and strong, if we have an intimate walk with Him versus passing relations, it doesn't have to grow stale. It doesn't have to get old. It can keep growing. It can keep getting better. It does get better. God sent a great fist to Jonah just to show him the lengths that he's going to go through to get him to to do what he wants. God said, I'm going to sort you out, Jonah. Jonah. I'm gonna get you right. The condition of his heart was not right. It wasn't right. God had a desire to save this city. Jonah did not. Jonah couldn't have cared less about Nineveh. He couldn't have cared less. But God did. God suffered on a cross and died for this city. God suffered on a cross and died for everybody that lives and works here in this city, in this county. He loves them just as much as he loves you. He has a plan for their life just like he has a plan for yours. And whether you know it or not, we need them here. We need them here. God needs them here because they have a ministry that they have to accomplish as well. They have a ministry that God needs them to to get going on. It takes all of God's people to do all of God's work. Some of them are still out there. Ready to be won. Now we see the end of the story here. Jonah was facing Nineveh. Jonah had to preach to this awful, wicked nation. But when he preached, what happened? They listened. And they responded. Oh, my word, did they respond. The wicked king said even the animals are going to be wrapped in sackcloth and ashes. And they're going to stop eating and drinking. If maybe God will repent him of the evil. If maybe God will have mercy on us. And that's what I want to end with. We always have it in our minds that all these are against us. All of these people, you know, we, we try to witness, they're going to come against us. They're going to hate us. They're going to, they're going to persecute us. It's going to be a hard thing to do. But I'm telling you, God has people in this city that he's been working on for years and years. Prayers have been going up for this city for decades decades people have been praying for this city those prayers are about to be answered he's going to use this generation you and me to answer those prayers what an awesome thing that is but those are they're ready they're ready to hear god has been working in their hearts he's been working in their lives sending them through circumstance and situation Preparing them to receive from God what they need from Him. They are prepared. They are ready. The harvest is white, all ready to harvest. It won't be a hard thing. Once this gets going, it's going to be so very easy. It's just going to keep rolling. Not because of our talent, not because of our ability, but because God has prepared the way. God has gotten everything lined up and ready to go. God knows what He's about. God knows what He's doing. When He sends us somewhere, it's for a reason. We don't need to know the reason. We don't need to have Him explain everything to us. When I told my kids to do something, I didn't always explain the minutia, how everything's going to work and why everything's just going to line up, and now you can take care of it. Initially, it was because I said so. And that was enough. Sometimes that's all we need to hear from God. And that's okay. Go. Why? Because I said so. Now get. Stop talking. Move. And that's okay. That's quite okay. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that for me. <clears throat> I had a brain hiccup there for a moment, but I'm good now. God is God. He's in charge. He bought me. He purchased me. I am His servant. I do what He says. He doesn't do what I say. God forbid I ever get to the place where I think so. I do what He says. I am obedient to Him. I submit myself to him, to his word. And I do what he says. I go where he tells me. I do what he says. I stop when he tells me. I am his servant. We are his servants. When he sends us, we go. When he tells us to give, we give. When he tells us to pray, we pray. When he said, seek my face, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. the reason He is sending us now, the reason He is telling us to go now, I have no idea why. I don't know why. But I feel it with all of my heart. I feel it in prayer. I feel it. He wants His congregation to go. So we're going to go. As best as we can. Like I said this morning, it's going to be a messy process. We're going to start. We're going to stop. We're going to try to figure things out. We'll find things. Some things work. Some things don't. Some things need to be tweaked. That's all a part of it. We're just going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep doing what God wants us to do. We'll be patient with each other. We'll be patient with ourselves. We'll keep in prayer. We'll keep fasting. We'll keep receiving direction from the Lord and we can expect a bountiful harvest. Not only numerically, but spiritually. We don't want just numbers. I would rather have few numbers and strong spiritual saints than vice versa. I feel like that's what we have right now. I'd much rather, I'd much prefer this have a few very seasoned, very strong spiritual saints who know how to touch the throne of God, than a hundred, two hundred people who are barely making it in at, at the end of the week. We will grow probably not by leaps and bounds, but consistently, sustainably. That's okay, that's actually good. That's good. The long-term effect is we are going to have a strong mother church. We are going to be a church that plants other churches. Sends out NAM missionaries, global missionaries, pastors, youth leaders, Sunday school teachers. God is going to use this church So very powerfully. And it won't be because of any one of us. Perhaps your prayers. Perhaps the prayers of those who went before us. But ultimately for God's great name's sake, He will save this city. Let's all stand. like to invite those that are able to the altar. The altar is open. If you're still not comfortable, please altar in place. We need to spend some time in prayer. This is, in my mind, the most important part of service. This is where we...